So I'm doing a sermon particularly on the Queen's Jubilee today, and uh, uh, particularly on the verse, if anybody else in the choir wants to move down, feel free to uh, do so. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. This was a verse that the Queen referred to in one of her Christmas messages about 10 years ago. It is a verse which is important to her, and we're going to spend a bit of time today just thinking about this verse. Let's think of the, the background of when Jesus said those words. First of all, James and John were two of Jesus' closest disciples. Along with Peter, they made that inner circle which knew tremendous privilege in spending even more time with Jesus in a closer way. But James and John, as they thought of the world to come and Christ's kingdom in the world to come, they believed that Jesus would be sitting on a throne. And they thought it would be good architecture, it would be good symmetry, that on either side of his throne, there would be another throne. And who better to sit on that throne than them? James on one side and John on the other. And so they asked Jesus that he would grant them this privilege when he comes into his kingdom. Now, you can imagine when the other disciples heard about this, they were pretty indignant. Uh, it was non-Ireland speaking. Who do they think they are? Uh, catch themselves on. Uh, they're so full of themselves. And Jesus has to try and settle things down because there's a real danger of a rift now developing between the disciples. In verse 42, it says, And Jesus called them to him and said to him, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. And Jesus is teaching here that true greatness is not in being served, it's not in people bowing down to you. True greatness is to be found in serving others. And then he shares this famous verse, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we're going to look at that verse today on, in three parts. First of all, the first part, for even the Son of Man came. That term Son of Man was Jesus' most popular way of describing Himself. It speaks of His humanity. It speaks of Him coming to identify with people like us. Of those Jesus had come to save, Hebrews 2.11 says, He is not ashamed to call them brothers. Can you imagine that? Jesus will call you his brother, his sister, if you belong to him. We can also think in the upper room before he died, speaking to his disciples and says, you aren't my slaves, you are my friends. So that term, Son of Man, speaks of Jesus coming to identify himself as one of us, coming down and being among us. As we think of Queen Elizabeth II, it's lovely how over the years she's come to identify with her people. She particularly has come alongside people at very trying times when people have been going through suffering. She's been with them. She's been beside them. She's there to identify with them and what they're going through. We see a picture 
coming up. That's her visiting one of the survivors of the Manchester Arena bomb. The next picture, we can see her visiting some of the people from Grenfell Tower after that terrible disaster. The next picture we see is an older one. That's way back in 1966, uh, Abervan in Wales. Some of the older folk will remember that, a terrible disaster of a slag heap that slid and consumed a school and over a hundred children were killed. And that must have been a, a terrible place to have to visit. And yet the Queen and Prince Philip went there to be with her people, to be beside her people, to identify with her people. And we can often think of how the Queen in her Christmas messages during the years of the Troubles, she referred to Northern Ireland and her concern for Northern Ireland, she identified with the people here. But as wonderful as the Queen identifying with us is, it is far more amazing that Jesus does this. The phrase, Son of Man, it speaks of His humanity, but it says so much more. You see on the screen where that phrase is first to be found in the Bible, in the book of Daniel. And Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which should not pass away, and His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So, the Son of Man is this glorious character in the book of Daniel, to whom is given by God all power and majesty, the majesty of God He has, and he's given the right to rule forever and ever. This is no ordinary man. This is someone truly, truly special. And so when Jesus says that the Son of Man has come, he is saying that someone truly, truly special, someone out of this world has come. In one sense, it should be no surprise that the Queen comes among us and identifies with us, because the Queen is one of us. She is a frail, sinful human being like you and me. But the Son of Man, on the other hand, is this glorious divine being. He is the eternal God. He is the God who has made everything. He's the God who's made us. He's a God who the heavens, the highest heavens, aren't big enough to contain Him. He's beyond that. He's beyond the universe. It is this glorious being who the angels fall down before and worship. This glorious being who comes among us identifies with us as the Son of Man, and we'll even call His brothers and sisters when we come to know Him. I don't know if you ever visited any of the, the royal palaces uh, over the years. I think I've been in Balmoral. I've been in Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, 
and Hillsborough Castle. Just one to go. Had to get the Sandringham someday and that. But you see a wee picture coming up of the inside of, of Buckingham Palace. Uh, it truly is a place of splendor. Uh, it is something you go around and you it is amazing. One of our children, when we were going around, was very young and uh, didn't want to stay in our arms and he just wee bit nervous what they were going to do and that because it's a place of such splendor and majesty. And as I think of the splendor and the majesty of the palace, uh, my mind goes in the next picture to the splendor of King Solomon in the Bible and how the Queen of Sheba came to visit him. And when she saw his palace, she saw the temple, she saw the sacrifices, she saw all his servants and how they were arrayed, and she heard his wisdom, she says her breath was taken away. And what she had been told about him was not half of it. And as amazing as the splendor might be of a royal palace, or the splendor that Solomon had may be, it is nothing compared to the splendor that Christ had in heaven and has now returned to in heaven. It is a splendor on a totally different level. And one of the reasons why in the, the world to come, Christians are given a new body is these bodies could not cope in the closer presence of this majestic God. It is because of the glory, the majesty, and the vastness of this person who is the Son of Man that makes it amazing that He has come among us, and it makes it even more amazing the next thing He says in this verse. It says, He is not to be served, but to serve. You would expect someone with the eternal and divine majesty of the Son of Man to come in order to be served, to be served. You can imagine Solomon and all the servants that he had. He was just an earthly king. Surely the heavenly king would expect him to have loads and loads of people running to and for to his every back and call. But the Son of Man has come to serve right away in his life, the birthplace of Jesus speaks of how he would be a different type of king. You think of the wise men that came to see him. They went to the, the palace in Jerusalem. That's where they expect to find a king. They certainly wouldn't expect him to be in a wee backwater place like Bethlehem and in among the animals lying in a manger. Or we think of him riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, not the way you expect a king to come, but speaking of his humility and his servant spirit. Or you think of him washing the disciples' feet in the upper room. Speaks again how he had come to serve and not to be served. The queen, when she was Prince, Princess Elizabeth, said on her 21st birthday, she says this, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of a great imperial family to which we all belong, speaking about the commonwealth. 
So she was devoting herself to the service of her nation, the service of her commonwealth. For 70 years as queen, she has served so faithfully. Even at 96, she continues to serve. Uh, I was looking even on the website. I was just doing a wee bit of research with today. And different speeches she has made even these past months in different events that have happened in South Africa and other places uh, across the Commonwealth, she is still so active. 30 years after when most people would have retired, she continues to serve. And when occasionally the question of her stepping down from her role has been mentioned in the media, it has always been stated that what keeps the queen going is her strong sense of duty, that she's doing her role given to her by God. The queen has served so faithfully. But Jesus, on the other hand, has not only served faithfully, but Jesus has served perfectly. Jesus, when He came to serve, never once did anything wrong or never once failed to do the right thing. Particularly as the queen has got older, she's had to pull out of doing one thing, some things. Jesus never pulled out of doing anything He was meant to do. When He was coming towards the end of His life, He could say to God the Father the night before He died, He says these words, having accomplished the work that You gave me to do. At the end of His life, He could say, I've done it all. Nothing, Father, nothing, not one tiny, tiny little task that you gave me to do has been left undone. Not any words you wanted me to say have I failed to say. He perfectly served His Father. He perfectly accomplished all He was given to do. Now, as we think of the service of Jesus, remembering that He is the majestic Son of Man, that should cause us if we know this Jesus, to have a servant spirit. Our attitude should not be like James and John who were looking for the best seats. Our attitude should not be, what can we get out of things? Our attitude should be, how can we give? How can we serve? And as Jesus was an inspiration to the queen, Jesus is to be our inspiration. Is your life about yourself, what suits you? We have been thinking about discipleship, where Jesus says, take up the cross, die to self, and follow me. Following Jesus is a life of service. Or is it that if you take the picture of the upper room, that we are there more like Peter, thinking James should wash the feet? Or we're like John thinking Andrew should do it. Or we're Matthew thinking one of the others should do it. Are we there sitting, sitting back expecting others to serve? And then will we be embarrassed when Jesus would serve? 
I remember one of the, the churches I served in, we had a problem getting people to cut the grass, uh, not totally uh, unfamiliar, uh, and getting people to cut the grass. And it was coming up to harvest time, and the grass wasn't cut, so I took the lawnmower over and went to cut the grass. And where that church was, it was quite a strong Church of Ireland area. And uh, when I was cutting the grass on the main street of this place, uh, some of the Church of Ireland were walking up and down, and the shame on the Presbyterians that their minister had to go and cut the grass. Nothing compared to the shame of having a Savior, the Son of Man, the God of glory, coming to serve people. And we, too high and mighty, to do that. So, we have seen that indeed, that He has come to serve and not to be served. And the final part of the verse, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Through this sermon, I've tried to draw parallels with the Queen and her service and how Jesus has served. But as we consider this final point, the parallels have to stop. As we think of Jesus giving His life as a ransom for many. The Cambridge Dictionary say that a ransom is a large amount of money that is demanded in exchange for someone who has been taken prisoner. If someone has been kidnapped, someone taken hostage, normally the kidnappers would want some money in order to release the person in exchange. And we need to be ransomed because we are prisoners due to sin. Sin enslaves every person. Sin enslaves us so we cannot live our lives to please God. Paul speaks about how the good he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the evil he doesn't want to do, he ends up doing. That is the way sin so enslaves us. We are all enslaved that we cannot live the lives to please God that He desires. Sin enslaves us how we live, but it also enslaves us about where we go after this life. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. And when the Bible speaks of death, it means what we think of physical death, I will die one day. It speaks of spiritual death, being separated from God, and also of eternal death, which means going to that place of hell, of torment forever. And it's because of our sin. Sin enslaves us that we are prisoners on a prison train heading to hell. And the only way that we can be rescued from going to hell forever is that we are set free, that we are ransomed. Our predicament due to our sin is the predicament of every man, for all of sin. It's the predicament of every woman. It's also the predicament that Her Majesty the Queen had. So, what's the answer to being enslaved by sin? Well, this verse gives us the answer. It tells us the Son of Man, this God of glory, has come to give His life as a ransom for many. Now, He wasn't doing that by money. It was through Him dying on the cross, taking the punishment for the sin of His people, shedding His blood in that sacrifice, that He would propel away God's wrath from His people and free us to go to be with Him in heaven one day. 
when what Jesus has done on the cross, that alone can break the power of sin in our lives and deliver us from the judgment that our sin deserves forever. The Queen said this in her message at Christmas in 2011. She says, God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, but a Savior with the power to forgive. We don't need a philosopher who will give us some wise thinking. We don't need a general who will fight earthly battles for us. We need a Savior who will rescue us from our sin. The Queen, you and I, share this important thing in common. We all need a Savior. And that Savior alone can be Jesus Christ, the one who is God and man, who has died on the cross to pay a ransom for many. Are you one of those here today who Jesus has paid a ransom for? Have you come to trust in this Jesus so that you can have your sins forgiven? This is a day of jubilee. Jubilee is a term in the Bible. In Israel, if someone became poor, they could sell their land or they could sell themselves as slaves. But every 50 years, a trumpet was blown and it was the year of jubilee. Those who had given up their land, the land was returned to them. Those who were slaves were set free. It was a year of deliverance. Wouldn't it be wonderful that today, the day of the platinum jubilee, that this would be your day of freedom, your day of deliverance? How does it happen? I remember explaining this very simply to my dad one time. I've explained it many times at funerals here. A, B, C. A, admit your guilt. You're a sinner before God. You're enslaved by that sin. B, believe that Jesus is your only hope, that he's died on the cross to save you. And C, confess him as your Lord. Come to embrace Him as your Savior, as your Lord. Admit your guilt. Believe in Jesus as your only hope. Confess Him as your Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful on the Queen's Platinum Jubilee that you would know true freedom in coming to Christ? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for your love, your goodness, your grace. Oh, Father, we want to thank you for what we have been thinking about Her Majesty the Queen. But Father, we think of, I think it was Alistair Begg says in the front of that wee book the kids have, that there is one person that the Queen calls majesty. And that person is Jesus. And Father, as we've been thinking about our faith in Christ, help us to understand that Jesus, the Son of Man who came 
not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That this Jesus is our only hope. Give us that grace to come and embrace him. Oh, Lord, and we thank you for the promise that those who come to him, he will never, never turn away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.